Good morning. Let's pray real quick. Lord, you are, you are so good to us. You are so good to us. Father, I pray today as we spend time in your word that you would just reveal yourself to us. Lord, that you'd remind us of, of old things and, and show us new things. Lord, we want to know you. Lord, we want to know you. So Lord, use this time and this place and these people. Lord, that we would know you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got to be totally honest with you guys. So when I'm putting together a message, it usually happens in one of two ways. I either get something weeks in advance and just sort of marinate on something, or I get it at the very last minute, and not usually anything in between. And so this is one that was literally at the very last minute. I've been... Before, like, we put together a, a schedule for, you know, Nathan's sabbatical months ago. And I've been saying to the Lord, what do you, where do we go with this? And so I know that this is a God thing because Jules picked out songs long before, you know, this word. And, and even what Bert shared, um, long before I had this piece. Um, but here's what I know this morning is that God is incredibly faithful. He's a good father. And the, really the only kernel that I've had over these last couple of weeks is this picture of, right, today is Father's Day. Let's talk about our father. And that's about as much as I had. And I'm not usually, I don't, you know, thematic or, you know, th those sort of focuses. But I, I just felt like God just kept saying, just re reveal me as father. Reveal me as Father. And, and obviously, that we, could, we could have this conversation about God our Father for 30 years. We're going we're gonna to do this in 30 minutes um, and, and, and not even begin to scratch the surface. But I, I do want to look at this one really sort of narrow sliver of, of God our Father in the context of Father's Day, um, of looking at, at God, at the Father, as our provider, right? And I think if you, if you were to ask many, many of the, the men in the room who are dads, they would tell you one of the first words that they would, would offer you if you ask them sort of what, what areas of responsibility do they feel as a father, they would tell you to provide for their family. And so we know that, you know, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, right? In, in, in Matthew, it talks about even, even those of you, you fathers who are, who are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more our Father in heaven. And so we know, and many of you have experienced time and time again, your Father in heaven providing for you, but I want to look at a really foundational, really key provision from our Father this morning. I want to start with a verse that I think probably most of you know, and maybe even some of the, the younger kids who are in here. If you've got your Bible, 
Flip over into John 3, verse 16. Can we know that one? John 3, 16? What's John 3, 16? It's like foundation stone, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you want to talk about a father providing Right, at a really core level, right, that one verse, maybe more than any other verse in the entire Bible, speaks to the heart of God as a father towards his children. Right? He so loved the world, the world that was at enmity, at war with him, right, that he didn't think about doing something, he didn't plan something. Right? He gave, he took action on behalf of us by sending Jesus, his only begotten son, to open for us a way that wasn't open in order to have relationship with him as a father. Right? There is, right, Jesus talks about this later on. Right? There's no other way to the father except through him. So if there's no way to the Father except through Jesus, guess who opened that door? The Father started that. If you look at this, like if you really dive into that verse, there's a couple of key pieces here I want to tease out because these become sort of hooks that link into the next couple of pieces that I want to talk about. The first one is that, that word believe, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes... In him, whoever has faith in him or upon him, whoever entrusts themselves to him or commits to him, has eternal life, perpetual life, never ending, everlasting. Bob Robitaille talked a little bit about this. Um, you know, he's got a, a, that picture of a of a rope, right? Where we we, we sort of are aware of of a rope that, you know, this portion of the rope that goes all the way around the sanctuary and out the door into eternity, we're aware of this piece. But what God has set up for us through Jesus is everlasting life, the rest of that rope, forever. We, we can't even, it's, Scripture talks about he's, he set eternity in the hearts of men, and we, we can't fully wrap our minds around that. But we know that there's, that, there's, that it's in there. But see, for God, I don't believe that this is just about eternal life. Not at least as we think about it. Right? Because you can think about it. I could do a lot of things forever that would make me absolutely miserable an hour into it, a year into it, a lifetime into it. This isn't just about life going on forever and ever and ever. This is about significantly more than that, which goes even deeper into the heart of our Father. Right? Bert, Bert read earlier this morning from Jesus' prayer towards the end of chapter 17. I want to ask you to just flip back there for a second to the beginning of that prayer, right, where Jesus starts. This is his high priestly prayer. Because Jesus starts to put some definition to what it means, what eternal life 
actually is, what it actually means, what God the Father sent Jesus to open for us. I love, 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 love places in the Bible where if you can connect a couple of dots, God builds in the definition of something. I don't have to wonder what God's talking about. This is one of those places, right? For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. Listen to this. This is John 17, verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. If you, if you journal, if you write in your Bible, underline, highlight 17.3, right? It's the definition of eternal life in God's eyes, that we would know him. This isn't just about turning on a faucet that never ends. This is about turning on a relationship with our heavenly father that never ends. That's not my definition, right? God's defining this. This is eternal life, that we would know him. His heart as a father is to be known. So much so that he would send Jesus to open the way for us to do that. You want to celebrate something on Father's Day or ponder something on Father's Day? That's, that's a weighty thing, guys. Here's why. Right? Because it's not even just about right, a way, it's not just even about going on forever and ever. It's not even just about knowing him. There's even more to this. If you go back, again, still in John, go back to John 1. I know we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in starting in verse 10. Right, this is the passage that talks about in, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Talking about Jesus, the light of the world. But listen to this, starting in verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This isn't about eternal life, knowing God from afar off, or knowing God the way that you know your coworkers at work, or maybe the way that you know, right, even people within this body, right, the way that you know your neighbor who you've lived next to for 25 years. This is about knowing him as a father, right? We take this for granted, this foundational piece here, 
I had this epiphany this morning, right, trying to put together sort of final notes. Do you realize I don't have any capacity and, and neither do you to make myself the son of someone in particular? Right? When I was born, I didn't have any say in that, naturally, right? right? My parents decided, hey, let's have, a, let's have a child. And here I am. But I didn't get to decide that, right? They did. And even in something like, a, you know, adoption, right? Those, a, a child doesn't decide that, right? A parent decides that. You could no more have decided to become a son or a daughter of God than you could have picked your parents in the natural. It's not within your realm of power and it's not within mine, right? You this morning, if you believe, right, to those who received him, to as many as believed in his name, if that's you, that started with him, with our Father making provision for you that he could draw you in and that he could make you a son or a daughter. Not because you picked it, but because he did. Because he so loved you. I can't make myself a son. It starts with the will of the Father. Greg Chandler last week mentioned about the story about Jacob and Esau and the birthright. Right, he touched on it just briefly. Some of you are probably familiar with that story. Right? Esau goes out, hunting all day, I think. He comes back in, and his brother deceives him. Right? He manipulates him into selling his birthright. Right? Now, whether you think Jacob is a big jerk or not, right, that, that dynamic aside, Esau gave it away for a bowl of soup. He still made a choice. Jacob is a jerk, but Esau sold it. Our birthright came not from a brother who was deceiving us, who was manipulating us. Right? What this talks about in John 1 is not just a father creating a way for us to become children, but of a son who through submission shared his birthright. My access to the Father is only because of Jesus. God's only begotten Son who came willingly, submission, right? Not deceiving his Father the way Jacob had done, right? but submitting to his Father to make available for me a birthright that I couldn't possibly earn. Right? Because that's the other thing. You can't earn your birthright either. You can't pick the order in a family, right? You're either first or you're not, right? And the birthright went to the first, who was Jesus. And it's only because of his submission to the Father that we have access, that his righteousness is counted as ours, that we can draw near to the Father. You can't earn a birthright. It can only be given to you. 
So God the Father, who so loved the world, sent us Jesus, his only Son, who was the only one entitled to a birthright, who was the only true heir. He sent Jesus to lay down his life that we might lay hold of a portion of his birthright. Now listen, we know Scripture says God has still given him, right? Part of Jesus' birthright is he's got a name that's above every other name, right? That it's the only name by which men can be saved, right? That, 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 is, that is not part of what is my birthright anymore, right? That's still something unique to him. But I'm an heir and a son because God loved me and Christ laid down his own right, his own life, that I could have a portion of that. One of the, the commentaries that I like to use putting together messages said it this way. He says, The Son of God became a Son of Man that the sons and daughters of men might become sons and daughters of God Almighty. The Son of God became a Son of Man that the sons and daughters of men might become the sons and daughters of God Almighty. That's a Father who loves you. Not from afar, but a Father who loves you and has made a way for you to be up close, near, intimate, knowing, in relationship, forever. I want to wind down with this. Over in Galatians, in chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is, is writing, and he says, says this, What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he's no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, he's subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those of us under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son out into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father so that you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has also made you an heir. It would have been blasphemous, right, for any of us, right, when Paul's writing this, to have thought we had the right to call the God of the universe, Abba, Daddy. It was part of what got Jesus killed. But God, through his Son, by the power of his Holy Spirit, that's part of your birthright this morning. And so as the worship team comes forward, I want to just ask you this morning, that new and living way that's been opened through Christ, right, that's available to those who believe, to as many as received him, if, if that's not something that you've laid hold of, don't leave today until you and I have a chance to talk. And if you have, 
but you've not thought about that for a little while, or maybe not thought about it in this way, this morning I want to encourage you, right, on Father's Day, before your father, to just acknowledge that. Regardless of everything that's going on right now around you, he loves you. He made a way for you. A way for you to love him up close. The way a, the way a daddy loves his son, the way a daddy loves his daughter. That's what he's opened up. Right? That's what Jesus opened up. And so as we close this morning, just spend time and just respond to him in that. I don't care whether you're the manliest man in the room or a little kid. Daddy is calling you near this morning. He's calling you near.